they certainly need no introduction uh, when it comes to the guests that we have. It's somebody that, you know, has quite a lot of fans I've seen, especially from some of the top fan gang. And that's, of course, Miguel Martin, who's a portfolio manager uh, of investors at APSA Home Loans. Good evening, Miguel, and thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Zama. Thanks for having me. So good to be back. Uh, it's always great to have you, and I'm sure that your, your many fans are quite happy that we've got you uh, back on. So, of course, we've got Miguel Martins, and that means that we're going to be talking about you know, something that we started actually last week. And I did promise that I wanted us to have him back on because there was so much, uh, it, it, we got really great feedback, and we certainly had a lot of you wanting to find out more. And, of course, because we're only on for you know, 30 minutes, I thought, let's actually bring him back on uh, so that we're better able to understand how to grow and scale our investment properties and that's exactly what we are doing this evening we're looking at property investment strategies everything you need to know uh, about it and really one of the big things is we even asked you uh, on our facebook page around questions that you would want to ask apsa when it comes to growing and scaling your property portfolio so we certainly do look forward to going through some of your great questions and some of your great insights uh, in terms of finding out the different ways that we can grow our property portfolios because i think if we if we actually go through the questions that we received at home and of course thank you very much for you know sending us those questions we saw that there was a you know an interesting mix from people who are you know sort of in the beginning and sort of starting out and want to um get a better sense of how to do it right the first time around I mean, you always talk about how you don't want to make some of the mistakes that a lot of us made when we're starting off with our property portfolios uh, and so we want to learn from people off the bat and avoid those mistakes and then there are people who already have their skin in the game and they've heard learned some of the lessons and now they're looking at how do i then you know formalize systemize my property portfolio in order for it to scale uh, and that's certainly something that we're also going to be exploring this evening so so we do, of course, um, you know, look forward to some of your questions and comments across our social media platforms, whether it's Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, or of course, Facebook. You can also hit me up on my own um, Twitter page on at Zamadunga underscore K. And so Miguel, I wanted to actually get started with some of the really great questions that we see from viewers at home. Um, and I think if anything, it really is testimony to how we are now thinking more and more about property, but also strategically thinking about it. So we're not going in blindly, uh, which is a great thing, because I think an informed consumer is so much better than somebody who makes you know, a few mistakes, because they're also able to take care of this asset, pay it off really well, and then are able to come back to you know, the bank and get that second uh, home loan or that third home loan. So if anything, the more informed the consumer is, uh, it actually makes good business sense. I actually wanted to start with somebody who- Absolutely. I wanted to start with, you know, the people who are, we'll say at the beginning end, you know, uh, one of the first questions I want us to explore is coming from Unzuzo Unzuzo, who asks, if I have 50k, is it possible for me to uh, do property investment? So it's one of those numbers game, you've got a little bit of money on your side, so you want to just get a sense of, we'll say one of the best ways to optimize it for a property investment. Uh, absolutely, Zama. So I think um, it, it is about the numbers. And I, I think to have pulled the 50K together takes a lot of discipline and, and, and a lot of focus. And I think, and I want to say to, to, to new property investors that if, if you can pull together enough money to pay for a, a deposit to, 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 to cover the transfer fees, et cetera, possibly even a small, renova small renovation or even just, a, even just to paint out the apartment, that is already uh, a, a good character trait that shows that as an investor, you're thinking about the long term because it takes some time to save 50,000 together. 
and and and, and that's really I think uh, prize number one. You've really started down down that road. So, so fifty thousand. I think if you if you're probably looking at a, a property in the in the region of eight or nine hundred thousand, and you're able to get a hundred percent loan, um, that and, and I, I don't know those numbers off the top of my head, but that should be enough for um, your your transfer fees, your transfer costs, with a little bit uh, left over in your pocket. If you can find a, a, an apartment, that um, probably the the walls need to needed to be repainted or carpets needed to be uh, clean, et cetera, um, that, that 50,000 can really get you that, that first apartment. Mm. But um, as Ola says, it's not, about, yeah, it's not about buying the apartment, it's about running the numbers. Will this apartment uh, give you a, 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 a rental return? Um, or, and, and do you understand what, you know, if there's gonna be a shortfall, can you handle a shortfall? Mm. Ideally, you want it to make a positive return, but it's always about running the numbers and seeing what that 50,000 We'll, we'll, we'll be able to get you. I think, you know, one of the big things, um, and I, I used to do this exercise, I'm going to admit your views at home. Uh, I used to do this exercise in some of the articles that you'd find online where you'd look at, you know, if you have 10,000 rands, what's the best financial thing to do? If you have 20, 30, 80, 100, 150. I used to love those kinds of, uh, you know, articles, especially in my early 20s, because it would give you just a sense of how much your money would go as far as investment is concerned, because I wasn't even looking at it from the prism of what can I buy with that amount of money. But if I wanted to invest, uh, you know, extra 500 rand, what, what can I actually invest in? Uh, so having that 50K, I mean, I think when I first started off, I probably had just saved round about that amount. Um, and, and as many viewers at home know, I went up with two properties. I hadn't run uh, my numbers adequately because I didn't know I needed to pay four attorneys instead of two. Uh, so ultimately needed a little bit more. So certainly as Miguel is saying, there are great calculators that you're able to use both from um, APSA's website as well as the private property website where you're able to get a sense of how much the attorney um, fees are going to be in the event where let's say you get a property that's um, whether it's 800,000 or a million or whatever that amount is. So you'll certainly be able to get a sense of how far your uh, 50,000 rands is able to go. And as Miguel is saying, you might be able to get that, you know, 100% uh, bond. So you don't need to put down a deposit. So that means that you can essentially do other things with that 50,000 that aren't putting down that deposit. Miguel, I want you to stay with people who are still in the, you know, beginner phase. Uh, and, and the question of, you know, what can I do with how much money is, is a question that's actually quite popular right now. Uh, the other question that, um, you know, we got this one, we also got it on Facebook. Book, and it's from uh, P.S. Salimane who asks, I want to invest in property. How much do I have to start with? Because I think as much as on the one hand, we've got some Unzuzo who's got 50,000 rands, we also have people who don't quite know how much they need to essentially start. So what are, and I mean, in answering Zuzo's question, you were talking about you need to be running your numbers. What are these numbers that we're running? Because I know you and I know what they are, but let's really share with viewers what they are. So it helps informs them how much they would essentially need to be able to start that property investment journey. Uh, absolutely, Zama. And, uh, and please let me know if the connectivity is failing me because it's dropping a bit. Um, so so do, 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 do let me know if I need to repeat myself. But okay. everyone has to start somewhere. And, and it's all is about the numbers. Go, um, go and get some education. Go and read a couple of articles. Private property has a great... Um, um, library of articles going back 10 years. Um, get to know the calculators. 
run your numbers. Find out if you, if you want to start looking at sectional title, go and look at a, at a one-bedroom uh, nearby. You know, look, look for it on, on the private property website. Then go and look at what a, a one, that one-bedroom rents for. Possibly, if you, if you get to know a, a complex or two in the area, they'll have for sale and to let signs. Get to know, go, to, go, go and look at a show day, go look at the, at the for sale, get to know what the prices. The state agent will tell you what the transfer fees would be, what the levies would be. Then go, go phone the agent who's, who's letting them out and build for yourself your numbers as to what, if you bought it at, 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 at that price, what your transfer fees would be, what your monthly rent would be, your costs, et cetera, and, and you will come out with, with a, a number. You'll either be making a profit or a loss. They'll immediately tell you, A, what sort of money, what sort of savings you need to be able to buy the property in the first place, and B, if you bought that property and you went through that effort of saving and investing to, to, towards it, would you be making a profit? And I think the combination of those, of, of, of those two and that exercise will very quickly steer you in the direction of, of understanding what you need to save towards. Mm-hmm. Miguel, I want us to switch up gears a little bit and look at then now at people who have, you know, got their skin in the game and have, you know, bought a few properties, perhaps their first one, perhaps their second one. And of course, now looking to grow and scale uh, that property portfolio. We've got really great questions. And I always love questions that's also just based on people's experience. Because as I often say, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Uh, And really in property, there isn't. There isn't somebody who knows everything. You tend to find, you know, different investors uh, using very creative ways of structuring their property portfolio. So it's always insightful sometimes just have a chat with people around how they've structured their property portfolio um, because I've seen very creative ways of, you know, of doing it. And, and there are various ways that uh, you know, different uh, uh, investors unlock the value in that particular asset. Uh, so always is quite useful to be able to have that conversation. We've got a question here, uh, and this one is coming from Ulumi Zondi, who asks, if one uses his or her property for rental, but at the same time paying a bond, is it possible to get another property for rental as well? So is a uh, uh, lost PC? Is it possible to get a bond? Yes. So is it is it is it, is it possible to get another property uh, that they're able to rent as well? Right. So, so as a bank, it all comes down to affordability. Um, and, and I'm going I'm, I'm going to use the following example. If you go if if you go into uh, Absa.coza, there's a calculator there that works out uh, uh, what what depending what your income is, how much you can afford. Uh, we have a fantastic tool called the Home Loan Estimator, which which looks at your gross income, it looks at your expenses, etc., and it even uh, it gives you a, a a little certificate there to say this is what you could afford. So so let's assume that at the end of that, uh, the calculator says that you can afford a, a million rands worth of, worth of home loans. And then you go and utilize um, 500,000 rand, oh, sorry, you go and purchase a property for 500,000 um, and you rent that out. And, and, and whilst doing that, you are staying in your own rental apartment. So you are renting out yourself. Um, you still have, in, in theory, 
you still have 500,000 Rand available to you that you didn't utilize. Uh, so you're in the position to go and go and look for a second apartment to the value of 500,000. So that makes a lot of sense on paper. It's very easy to say. It doesn't always work in a nice straight line like that. And um, you, you'll have a new cost that, that you hadn't expected, et cetera. But, uh, and again, always do the numbers, do the numbers. You're going into business. If you were, if, if this was a, a butcher and you, and you were sourcing chickens to sell and chop up, et cetera, you'd be doing the numbers to understand how, what, what best price to do. This is no different. You're going into the business of, of, uh, of, rent, of rental properties or other, other property strategies, run the numbers. Um, but in principle, uh, they, as long as you can afford it, the bank will lend you that, those funds. Mm-mm-mm. And I mean, I think, I think one of the things that I've certainly found even within my own property journey is when affordability is there and you know, you've done the basics, we've certainly spoken about them even in last week's episode. So I do urge viewers at home to go back to the conversation that we had last week. But also this is something that we echo uh, across different episodes when you take care of your credit score and you also make sure that you are not overly indebted, you do tend to find that you are able to, you know, get that home loan facility extended to you, are able to get it at 100%. Uh, I mean, oftentimes, it's, it's actually interesting. I mean, I actually got my first couple of home loans um, first and got them at 100% and didn't realize that people struggled with, A, just getting a home loan, but also B, getting it at 100%. It was only after sort of speaking to a few people that I realized that actually not everybody's home loan journey is as seamless, is as smooth, where they get the amount that they essentially, you know, asking for. Um, and, and that for me was a, a, an eye opener that sometimes at home, perhaps we don't quite know, how do we then navigate that and, and understand deal and for growth? That's certainly some of the things that we're going to be exploring. We're going to be back just after this. Welcome back to episode 137 of the Private Property Podcast. I'm your host, Uzamantungwa Kumalo. It's the Wednesday edition of the Private Property Podcast. And as usual, we're speaking to the APSA Home Loan team. Uh, if you're watching us, you're probably streaming, whether it's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, uh, we do welcome you to the Private Property Podcast. If you're a first-time viewer, then welcome. We do hope that you are going to be with us. We are on every single weekday at 7 p.m. But not only 
only do we have the private property podcast with myself, of course, Uzamantungwa Kumalo, but we also bring you the first time home buyers show, which is actually going to be coming up just after this private property podcast at 7.45 and SD Classroom will be bringing you that episode uh, just after this. So if you're a first time buyer and you're still you know, struggling with a few things when it comes to first time home buying, that certainly is the podcast for you. It comes on your screens every Wednesday at 7.45 in the evening. And because we also know that people don't only want to go into you know, uh, residential property investment, we also have the farming podcast recently launched and it comes to your screens every Tuesdays and Thursdays at 1 p.m. You certainly want to make sure that you tune into that one if you've got green fingers and you want to tap into agriculture in one way or the other. And over the weekend, we also don't leave you alone. You can see, I mean, for the first time, you can certainly see that we have quite a lot uh, on this menu of ours. And over the weekend, we have the uh, developer show uh, that comes on your screens at 1 p.m. every Saturday and Sunday. So we certainly do have a lot to offer you, and that's something that you can look forward to here on the private property uh, social media platforms. Of course, you can reach out to my own social media platform on at Zamantunga underscore K on Facebook, not on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, that's probably the best one when we talk of property-related um, things. So, Miguel, I mean, we are going through some of the questions and comments that we've gotten from viewers at home, and I wanted us to you know, switch up gears a little bit and explore some of the things uh, from people who've already gotten their feet into the uh, property game. We've got a question here, and I love this question. Uh, this one is coming from uh, Cornelius Wopman, who asks, uh, my, part, my, business, my business partner and I are currently in the process of buying a couple of properties in a newly found uh, PTY uh, Limited. We, just, we also just found out that APSA has approved these bonds. Firstly, thanks, APSA. Now, my question, once the properties have registered, what needs to happen in terms of affordability for our company to qualify for bonds through APSA uh, for the next couple of properties? I'm asking because once the properties have registered, we want to start planning the next purchase. I love this question. It's such a delicious question uh, because you already know that the things that they did prior to you know, getting these home loans, uh, let's assume, for example, they've got three or four home loans that have been approved. They've probably identified you know, the properties. So now that you've even gone and you're buying it in a PT, which is always something that we say try to do that from the get-go how are you then going about making sure that you're putting in the right systems in place so that when you want to be buying more properties because you founded this business for the pure purpose of uh, you know essentially investing in property uh, so what should they be doing to make sure that they're able to keep growing and essentially scaling their property portfolio after these acquisitions no it is such a nice question and and I think this is where all property investors aspire to be, right? So, 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 so what Cornelius has done and his partner have done is they've, they've put out a roadmap ahead of them. And they've gone and gotten some great advice in terms of, from, from a lawyer in terms of structures, PTYs and trusts. Um, they, they have got a, a plan and now, and now they're working their plan. And, and, what, and what I love about it is that um, his first set of properties haven't even been registered and he's already thinking about what comes yeah. next. Yeah. And that is so key. A property transaction is actually a very long transaction uh, between, between putting your deposit down with your, with your signed OTP um, to actually registering it to, to possibly actually extracting equity for your next purchase is a good um, eight to 12 month cycle. So understanding that just to keep that ball rolling uh, is, is, and, 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 and to focus on the next properties is key. 
and also to make sure that the purchase you're making now is not in, a, in some way going to limit your ability to make future purchases. So, so, so never buy property and then, and then think about what happens next. Buy your next property with in mind of what you're going of what your next move is going to be. So, in terms of affordability, um, the bank will always look in in in, a, in 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 terms of a PTY. The bank will look towards the directors for affordability as well as as the income that that PTY is generating. So, 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 so they look at Cornelius. Uh, and, and they'll see what his what his uh, income is, his salary, his other rental incomes. They'll look at his partner, the same thing, and then they'll look at the at the PTY um, and, and 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 look at the income being derived there. And then and then based on that, but predominantly based on the directors who stand surety for that loan, for that PTY's loan, uh, that's where they look at it, at affordability. Um, so it, it doesn't change too much from actually having purchased it in, 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 in their own names uh, in that sense, in that we always look at, let's call it the flesh and blood that's, that's behind um, um, that, that, that PTY. There are lots of reasons why um, investors will want to use a PTY or a trust, um, um, but, but we will always look at um, uh, the directors for a PTY or the trustees um, for a trust. Uh, in terms of, of affordability. And it goes back to the earlier conversation around, I can afford a million, I only I buy for 500,000 and I, I can buy another for another 500,000. But this now gets more interesting in that now, now to original affordability, you can add the rental that you now purchase, that you're now receiving from that first purchase. And now your million is probably going up to million three. Um, so, so every time you, you bring in new income, your affordability uh, increases. And that's what I mean about buying the right properties that will enhance your affordability so that you can keep your property machine growing. And, and I think, and, and I did say it's such a delicious question because it also does, you know, show certainly to a lot of viewers at home that when you're looking at going into you know, the property investment business, especially uh, if you're going in even with other people and not just yourself, so you're also spreading risk a little bit, you want to be thinking about these things beforehand and strategizing uh, adequately because it does make the process that much smoother um, and the ability to essentially scale becomes that much easier because you've put in the right processes uh, from the get-go and that's the kind of uh, you know insight that you essentially want to be able to do um, as early on as possible. I've got another really great question that I love, um, and this one is coming in from uh, Luke Nell, who asks um, also how often um, we often hear that when you're buying to fix and flip, that you can reduce your tax liability by claiming back some of the improvement expenses. How does one practically or actually do this? So I'm almost even asking you to put on your investor hat because I know that you also sure. you're a property investor yourself. Um, and we'll look, you know, Luke, one thing I'll certainly promise you is we'll certainly look at uh, taxes when it comes to property because it is one of those things that I find a lot of property investors we tend to struggle with. Uh, not understanding what's deductible, what is, and the, the best practice when you do your tax return. Uh, but Miguel, how do we uh, best navigate that one? Uh, yeah, so absolutely. So, so th th this is very much a tax question, and, and, and I'll give you what I understand about tax, uh, but definitely would, would suggest that Luke, when he goes, when he um, starts um, his flipping strategy, 
um, that he definitely gets an accountant in his corner who can give him the best advice as to how to optimize um, optimize uh, his uh, his uh, taxes. But in principle, <clears throat> what you're doing when you're flipping is you're buying a property for for a million. You then um, spending hundred thousand rand on transfer fees. You're probably spending a further two hundred thousand rand on on, on 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 renovations. That's what one point three million, and then you're selling it for one point five. Uh, and 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 in, in principle, you make a, a simple profit of two hundred thousand. But what, what what the tax man will want to see, uh, he'll obviously want to see that you bought that property for a million. He'll want to see the receipts and invoices from the attorneys for the transfer fees that you paid for on the property. You'll then also want to see the invoices for the paint you ordered, the kitchens you had uh, made for you, and, and, and all that in terms of, of the renovation itself. So keep those invoices. Remember, you are running a business. This is a project, but it, it, it's, 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 it's a business. Keep the invoices. Um, those you'll, you'll, you'll give to your, to, to your accountant, and they'll, and they'll be able to put together your, your tax return. Um, the other thing you want to keep in mind is also your home loan payments. Uh, a portion of your home loan payments, the interest portion, is also um, tax deductible. Yeah. So keep every single receipt that's, that's got to do with the expense incurred on that project. And whether it's a project uh, or whether you're, you're building a, uh, or you, you're, you are putting together a buy-to-let portfolio, you want to keep track of what you earn and what you spend. And, and then that, again, together with uh, the, the support of, of a, a good accountant, uh, you'll, you'll be able to go and, and, and provide the right tax returns um, for, for, the, um, for, the, for the tax man. Mm. One, one, one other thought, depending on how you do it, in your personal capacity, you might, you might have certain rebates and other uh, things due to you. But really, that depends on your personal situation, um, and really, a, a, a decent accountant, yeah, a, 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 good, a, a good tax guy should be able to give you that advice. Don't depend on advice from your friends or a guy on a webinar. Go yeah. and find your own tax guy, and 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 they will give you the best advice. Uh, and start with that in mind, and 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 and, and you'll get to what you want to get to in the end. I love that tip because so many of us, when we do, you know, your personal taxes, you call a friend and you're probably like on e-filing and as you're submitting, they're like, no friend, do this, don't do this. Don't do that when you have a, a property portfolio. I mean, typically just try not to do that at all, but certainly when you have a property portfolio, because we say run it like a business. So get the expertise of somebody whose job it is, uh, you know, to run the numbers, to do people's taxes. I always say, I don't do my own taxes at all. Uh, I go to people whose profession it is to do just that. And every time I've gotten audited, it's a clean audit, because I also understand that if I were to be asked certain things, I wouldn't know where to, you know, best navigate it because that's not my speciality. You know, Miguel, I actually often joke that we go to varsity, we do degrees, at no point was there a class about, you know, submitting tax returns 101. So there's a part of me Never. that says, why, why did they not do this? I mean, we're in school because we want to be getting jobs. But at no point was there a class that teaches you how to do your own tax returns. So definitely don't just rely on, you know, a guy on a webinar. Do make sure that you use the services of a professional when it comes to that. Because the last and you know, question, Zama, if you... Yeah? That 
that that two thousand rand you might buy, you might pay a a, a a good accountant to put your taxes together is going to save you ten times that. Uh, oh, it saves thousands. Thousands. I mean, because, oftentimes, yeah. Absolutely. Because what you're doing once off, mm. what what you're doing once off, they do five times a day. Yeah. So, so really, you and, and and that's you know we talk about the power team as well. You know, power teams. Uh, your your estate agent, your your banker, and in this case, it's your accountant. Bring them in and leverage that expertise. If they're not giving you that value, you probably aren't using the right accountant. No, definitely. Because I think one of the big things, certainly with the property portfolios, you're saying, uh, you know, the interest portion is tax deductible because it's an expense. As an individual, you probably don't know that. So when you're submitting your returns, you're not including that. Uh, so you might find that in the first few years of your property portfolio, or perhaps you've structured it in such a way that you're always going to perpetually have certain expenses that you run from uh, that particular property, you're always going to be getting money back from SARS. And something like that, I probably don't know how to best do it. So do use the services uh, of a professional. Miguel, the last question uh, this evening before I let you go, it's coming from one of our YouTube viewers, uh, uh, Colin Collins, who asks, um, who says, I'm struggling to make up a price to rent out my property. However, the agency company that I'm working with says my price is too high. Uh, my calculation, the price is just to produce a positive cash flow. And we're seeing quite a lot of this, right? Because you are a, a landlord, you've got a property, you wanted a particular price point because you don't want a deficit, you don't want to have to top up uh, at all. So you are pricing it so that it pays for itself and you have a particular cash flow. The market, unfortunately, right now also is what it is. Then you're going to have high vacancy because you're not getting the right tenant. Uh, perhaps what's the best way to navigate this one? Because some people would say, sure. but I don't want it to be too low. But in the same breath, you end up having your uh, you know, property vacant for sometimes even up to months uh, of it being vacant. So how should we be thinking of the rental pricing, especially in this economic climate? Yeah, very great, Susama. And this is... This is one of those questions where there's science and there's art. So, so let, me, let, let me talk about the science first. So with, at EPSA, we have a great partner in the likes of TPN. TPN and if yeah. you go to the TPN website, um, you can download a rental report, a suburb report uh, for, for the suburb within which, you want, which, within which your apartment is. And in that report, it will give you a whole lot of information but it'll also tell you what the high, medium, and low rentals are for apartments with one bedroom, two bedroom, three bedroom, or, or houses. And, and that can give you a, immediately an indication of, of what the rentals are at that point in time. So remember, that's, that's a great average. And, and, and TPN and the, and the great team, they pull that from all the leases that they uh, that, that go through their system every month. I would then suggest go off to private property and look at the rental um, portal and look in, 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 again, in that area, what are the rentals that have been charged uh, for, for, for a property that's similar to yours? And if it's in a complex, even for other properties in the same complex, because two complexes next to each other, one complex might have more amenities than the other. One has a, a pool and, and a squash court and a clubhouse. The other one just has good parking. So you are going to get a di different rentals. So, so keep that in mind. Um, and I think together with those two, and, 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 there, and there are a variety of other sources um, where we can look at average rentals if you want to. That'll give you a good base. Now, this is where the art comes in. But what I always do, so I, I, I manage my own properties. I, I don't work through, through a lettings agency. 
I do that because I like to stay close to my properties. I like to stay close to my tenants. Um, and, and I, th I think it, you know, it depends on, on, on how close you want to be to your properties and, and whether uh, your uh, day job allows you to, 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 to be flexible. But I, I tend to, when I start advertising early in the month, um, so, so now I'm looking for, I'm advertising for apartment for 1st of December. So in the first week of November, I will start at 8,000 rand. And, and I'll see how many calls I'm getting and, and um, how much interest there is. And if need be, I'll drop that down to seven, eight, seven, seven. Uh, as I'm getting to the, to the middle of the month, especially if no one has, has taken up the apartment. So be flexible in your pricing. Uh, adjust it as you get towards the end of the month. I tend to say that in the first half of the month, tenants are shopping. In the second half of the month, tenants are buying. Because now they go to, now they have to find a place because they have to be out of their own place in two weeks' time, and they haven't got anything yet. So, so think about that. Uh, have some flexibility. Um, also consider whether you're chasing a price point or whether you're chasing a long-term tenant. I will happily give up 200 rand a month if I know I'm I'm going to have a tenant I can work with, and I can have a professional and courteous relationship with for the next couple of years, as opposed to uh, um, anyone who will just be willing to pay my price and, and, and uh, we won't necessarily have a, 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 a as positive a, a, a relationship. So, mm -hmm. so, so think about those things, think about the science, think about the art. There are various sources that can give you some direction there. And Miguel, that's actually such a great note to leave it on because I think it, it certainly does give a lot of landlords uh, a lot to chew on, especially right now. Um, have some of your you know, properties, the, the lease has come to an end and you're now looking at the price point to be leasing it out on. Maybe the, the tenant who you know, went out struggled in the, you know, in the tail end of the lease agreement and we can see where the economic climate is right now and how people are some, you know, looking to scale down a bit, are very price conscious. Uh, some of them, perhaps there were certain amenities that were very important. Now they're probably more lax about them. Maybe the really big thing is making sure that the place is fiber ready. Uh, and now pro probably a lot of the other things we don't care much for as much uh, because we almost want to get through this tough economic time. So really understanding also where the market is, where the market sentiment is, um, and that we have quite a lot of stock on the market. So you're going to be faced with quite a lot of competition. Other landlords are likely, you know, taking down their prices slightly. And as Miguel is saying, probably taking it down maybe 200 rands and then maybe 300 rands. You find a quality tenant who's going to be paying every month on time, suppose for the next three years, was that extra 500 rands worth it? Um, and oftentimes a lot of landlords will tell you, you want a quality tenant. It's so priceless to get a quality tenant who pays regularly takes care of your place. That's the kind of tenant that you want. So you really do need to uh, have that nice balance of the, you, you know, of the art and also the running the numbers and the practicality um, of it. So Miguel, we are going to leave it there this evening. Thank you so much for, for coming back. I think a lot of people, are, you know, and I didn't get through all the questions, which means in future we'll definitely, I mean, Miguel has been on the show quite a number of times. So we're certainly going to be tapping into the banker who's a property um, you know, entrepreneur himself or property investor himself. Uh, so we certainly will be having him back in future episodes uh, so that we can explore this one. I know that he's got fans uh, across our social media platforms as well. So we certainly will be bringing him back on. But Miguel, thank you so much for joining us again this evening. 
Zama, it's been great. Uh, it's a, a topic I could talk about all night. So thanks so much for having me and, and, and look forward to being with you and the listeners again. It's only a pleasure. And that, of course, then brings us to the end of the Private Property Podcast with myself, Uzamandungwa Kumalo. Thank you very much for tuning in across our social media platforms. We are, of course, back on your screens tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. But this evening, I don't leave you alone. I leave you in the capable hands of Esti Klassen with the first time home buys show. I do hope that you enjoy. As usual, hoping you're staying home and staying safe. And I'll be back on your screens tomorrow evening. Hey!